Welcome to the Journal of a Madman podcast, interview edition. Today's guest is the most humbling, beautiful queen, Carol King. Carol has experienced the nightmare that us as parents think about, and she's living it. And I'm so honoured that she has given me the space to share her story and to normalise this part of parenting that so many people go through. Carol is on a campaign to change the rules and laws against drunk and drug driving. So please remember to like, follow, subscribe and leave a review. So let's get into it. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the Journal of a Madman podcast. Um, I am joined today by the incredible Carol King, who is going to be sharing some real hard but important things about parenthood that I don't think she ever thought would ever happen to her. Um, So, Carol, introduce yourself, who you are, children, work, hit me. So, um, my name's Carol. I am 31. I had to think about that there. Everybody does. Um, as soon as you go over 30, you're like, how old am I? I've got Quinn, who's just turned five, and Grey, who's about to turn three in March. Um, I'm currently studying, and I also work part-time, so I'm very, very busy at the minute. What are you studying? So I am studying towards biomedical sciences, because mm-hmm. um, before, before I fell pregnant with Quinn, I was at university, and um, I dropped out when I fell pregnant. Yeah. Um, and never made it back. And the reasons that we're going to go into, I'm back there again doing something for myself. And um, it's hard. Wish I'd done it when I was 21 instead of going back at 31. But um, here I am. That is like a proper subject as well. It's not. I've always been really. I'm not like trying to big myself up. I've always been really, really good at science and biology and very focused on that. So it kind of feels like a little bit of a waste if I don't do it now. I'm never going to do it. Yeah. And um, do enjoy being a mum. I just think there's something else missing. Yeah. And it's finding you again, possibly. Mm-hmm. So what's a part-time job? Um. So I work at the passport office. Oh. I know. That's a big girl job and all. <laughs> that is, I thought you would be like, corner shop. Like, No, that's where I've just been for my sweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was supposed to be here and she's like, I'm on my way. <laughs> really, she was at the shop. <laughs> Gutted, because I wanted a magnet. So, um, you've always wanted to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Um I didn't grow up around kids. I think you kind of get an idea in your head when you're younger how you plan your life out, if that makes sense. I, I knew I always wanted to, but I think that was a reflection of there was me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely always wanted to be a mum. Didn't expect to be as young as I was. I mean, I was 26. I always thought, again, reflecting on my mum. My mum had me when she was 35, so I maybe thought I was going to be an older mum, but mm-hmm. it's just what you kind of grow up with. You kind of think it's going to be your life, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a reflection of that, anyways. And what was your childhood like? Brilliantly dysfunctional. I had this conversation with my brother last night. Like, we had my mum and my mum and dad split up when um, I was three. Okay. Um, and so is they your had older. Yes, five years older. Um, so we're like thick as thieves. Mm. Um, 
quite a difficult divorce between my mum and dad. Mm-hmm. So I think that brought us closer together. Um, like, do you like Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah. We're like that. <laughs> he even went to military school when he was 17. No, I had a good childhood. It was just, divorce is difficult on kids. I really feel, oh, in my experience, it was anyways. Yeah. And are you still, are you close with mum and dad? Oh, yeah. So I live back with my mum now. Oh, do you? Um, and, yeah, I'm close to my dad too. Um, but my relationship with my brother's probably the closest. Yeah. I think through all of that. Why do you think that was then? I think probably it's because of the divorce. I think I used to probably, being the age that I was, I think I used to look at my dad as like another, sorry, my brother as another male figure. Mm-hmm. And because he was constantly present, I think I, we grew closer because of that. Yeah, like... Me, so dad's, me dad wasn't there every single mm-hmm, day, mm-hmm. as in he didn't live with me, he was there. But mm-hmm. because my brother was there, does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. So if you went and spent the weekend with dad, brother's there, you got... During the week with man, brothers there. Yeah. So he's the constant. He was the constant, yeah. Did that take a long period of time for a mum and dad, like amicable, like, or is it still? I think it's still there. Um, I just think it was really, a really difficult breakup. I think sometimes it, 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 just, it just depends on the situation at the time. I mean, my brother was eight, I was three. Um... And I think my mum found it really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in turn, no, no fault of our own, I think that kind of came down onto us. But I always say I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with my brother now had that not happened. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't change that. Yeah. So hard to, <clears throat> to think because I, I don't, my parents are still together. But what would have happened if uh, there was many times mum nicked off there was one time she packed a suitcase and it was like a film I was running after her she walked out the house and she's dragging her suitcase it was that long ago it was like in a suitcase bag there was no rolly cases and she was power walking out the street and I was sobbing don't go don't go like and that I still remember that feeling of like She's going to leave us? Like, yeah. where's she she's going? Not, she wasn't leaving you, but when you were a child, that's what you think. Mm-hmm. That's what you've had. Yeah. And like, I think, it was my fault. Yeah. So you you, you understand divorce later, mm-hmm. but when you were a child, you don't. But, like I say, I wouldn't change anything because me and my brother's relationship's great. Yeah. So, two girls. Yeah. How's their dynamic and relationship? So, um, they lost their dad, um, which was the 4th of August, 2019, and um, I was pregnant with Grey. I didn't know when he died um, that I was pregnant. I found out 11 days after his funeral. Oh, my God. Um, Quinn was 19 months old. Um... Grey wasn't planned. I was actually on the contraceptive injection at the time. Um, And my world was just flipped upside down, but then flipped upside down again at the prospect of becoming a mum, just becoming a a single mum, and bringing another child into the world who I knew was never going to have a dad. 
Can we go back to that night when everything changed? So, are we talking about when Richie died or are we talking yeah. about when I found out I was pregnant? No, let's start from when Richie died. So, the morning, um, it was strange because me and my brother and um, Richie had been out on the Friday. See, Richie and my brother had known each other since they were 11 year old. That's how I actually met them. They went to school together. And we'd been out on the Friday. And it's strange because when I look back now, I should have probably thought that I was having kind of symptoms, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I had quite bad stomach pains and I wasn't feeling very well. I was feeling a bit nauseous, but because I was on the contraceptive injection, it just never... Doesn't go So um, we'd had that Friday night out. Um, the Saturday, me and Richie had spent together with Quinn and um, Richie had gone out on the Saturday and the next thing I knew... The police were there the next morning to see he'd been in a car accident. So knocked on the door. Mm-hmm. So he was in a car accident. And where we, and he was coming back from being out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how do you even begin to process that? So... I See, it's strange because when the... When they knocked on the door, I knew in that moment from the way that they looked at me that he was gone. And because they couldn't confirm it was definitively him because we had to identify his body, they said we're 90% sure that it's him. How could they not... How could they... Just no ID? No, the, no ID, no nothing. They said that they, they couldn't find any kind of... There was no phone on him, there was no ID, anything like that. So how did they know to come to your house? Was it his car? No, it wasn't. So somebody at the scene must have either insinuated or I don't know how they worked it out. They must have well, it must narrowed have it that. down, yeah. Because mm-hmm. was there anybody else in the car? So to cut a long story short, um, it was the result of drink and drug driving. The front seat passenger um, had been drinking, taking drugs, and had been... Um, driving at 121 miles per hour. We don't know how Richie ended up with him. He's never explained how. So he survived? He survived. So did the front seat passenger. Cold shivers. Neither one of them would cooperate with the police. It took two years before it went to court. Also while I was bringing up these two little girls and going through a massive grieving process and it was probably and my best friend will tell you this she said this now she wasn't sure if I'd get through all of that combined um, it's hard to think that he was with somebody like that when he died um, because we've never been given an explanation as to how he got in the car um, where they met. Where they met. How it come to him just going out on the Saturday to me having that knock the next day. I've never gotten those answers. Mm. Um, I would have liked those answers for Quinn and Grey. Um, but I've come to terms with the fact I'm not going to get them. I've requested to speak to him. He won't speak to me whilst he's in prison. So he's in prison. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it's difficult. It, it's difficult to look back on the, the last couple of years and everything. 
you lose a bit of faith in the world when things like that happen, as in not what's happened because it does happen to other people. I think what I lost faith in was how how it happened, as in the circumstances, um, the 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 longevity of how long it was dragged out for that that two individuals didn't seem to care what had happened and couldn't even validate an explanation of what had happened that night. Do you think that was they didn't want to take accountability for what oh, 100%. happened? One hundred percent. Never took accountability. I've never I've never had an I've never had an apology. I've had nothing. Nothing at all. That for me, that would be the thing that hurts. Mm-hmm. That acknowledge people fuck up. Yeah, that's every what, I've day. Said that from day one. If he'd walked in after, put his hands up and says, "I've made a massive mistake here," um, and went through everything, but it wasn't like that. I've read witness statements. I've read interviews. He didn't care. He didn't care. I've had people from this scene tell me things in it. I wouldn't want it repeated on here. It's disgusting. It's vile. So, that 11 days until... Mm-hmm. You, how did you work out? Or how did you find out? So, I think... So, the, so he died the 4th of August. The 13th was the funeral. And that period... I didn't know where I was. I remember I went to my dad's. Didn't want to stay at home. People were sending flowers. Are you just a young lass? Nobody should be sending <laughs> flowers to I just to grieve your partner. Um, obviously, you know my best friend. She pretty much took over as she usually does. So the day Richie died, I rang her first. And um, this was even before my dad. I couldn't bring my brother. Um... And her partner actually answered the phone and I had to say, and they came to the hospital with me and um, she came in and um, identified the body. Um, and took over, pretty much. Oh. <laughs> to have a friend that can do that. Why am I getting upset? Because <laughs> uh, you know what she's like. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> um... It's priceless in them times of need. I always am closer to me friends than I am a lot of me family. So I can really engage with that a lot. So you you won't be able to ever thank her enough, will you, for what she did? Never. Like when, when I was pregnant with Quinn, she was the birthing partner. So it was Richie and, and her. Oh my God, that's... <laughs> Which, don't ask us why I picked them, but together. And they had a really good relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to always say that Richie was like the male version of her. And they bounced off each other. But when Richie passed, I think it affected her a lot. But she had to pull back from that as well mm-hmm. because of me. Yeah. Um, so the two weeks, I remember I said you've become a parent now before she'd obviously had a little boy mm-hmm. um, and took over every aspect from just Quinn. Like, I, I can't even remember really looking after Quinn them couple of weeks. It was like somebody was constantly there mm-hmm. to do it. Obviously, I was present, but I wasn't... Present. Pre- yeah, do you get what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because uh, that was one of my questions. 
in the first few months <clears throat> we'll go back to the question about how you found out but like how did you even parent like you should just be able to try and look after yourself in that moment of grief but to then know that you've got a dependent I think what I felt like was the first to the funeral had everyone there consistently and people just took over and then I think once I knew I'd getting the funeral out the way in my mind I was like right now I need to just make a plan I need to try and figure what my new normal's going to be I think it was get to the funeral mm-hmm. everyone's here now because they always say like the hardest part's after the funeral because you're keeping yourself busy until the funeral yeah um, I look back now and I can't really remember much between that mm-hmm. but I think that's just my mind blocking a lot of things out trauma um, in itself I just remember her coming Going to the hospital. Richie had died. We needed to do a funeral. Obviously, there was so much attention around it because of how popular he was and um, because of his footballing and things like that. So there was football games and things like that that had been set up. So obviously... Like charity days. Well, one of them, I can remember one of them, I said to Luke, I I don't think I can go. Mm. Um... But why was that? I was sick of doing things for other people. Yeah. Like, well, here, here I am again. Or put another brave face on. And my whole life had been turned upside down. Like, what, what 27-year-old expects to lose the partner with a 19-month-old little girl? So, let's go back to how the hell you worked out you were pregnant. And do you think you would have realised sooner if, you know... I think that obviously the contraceptive injection played a big part in me not recognising it. However, you always make a comparison, I feel, when you've got two children to your first pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So with Quinn, I had hyperemesis, so I knew from like... What's that? extreme sickness so I was in oh, and out yeah. of hospital I had to have drips mm. I had to have cytosine injections I remember I used to get a cytosine injection on a Friday and that's the only time I could eat and then I would go back to being sick again just eat I, I remember being like known that I was pregnant from like five weeks something stupid like yeah. that and I think because I'd had that um I expected it second time round mm-hmm. And I know there's not always a guarantee, but I think you just you just think like that, don't you, mm-hmm. really? I did. Um, then obviously, like I've said about the contraceptive injection, but probably when I'm talking about the Friday before he died, I probably would have would have clicked sooner mm-hmm. because of now how I reflect. Um, so it was the 24th of August. I found out I was pregnant. How? Because I said to me, Mum, I can't pull myself together. I can't, like, the funeral had been the 13th. And I felt physically drained. And I know that sounds silly considering I'd lost Richie. And grief mm-hmm. can make you physically unwell. And um, I said, uh, I, I started getting very anxious. And I was being sick. But not in the 
in that aspect that like it was morning sickness. I thought I was being sick because I was so anxious. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think I'm going to have to take a test. And my mum just looked at me and she said, just, just do it. Like, I, she says now she thought I was, but didn't say anything to me. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't know what, just mum's intuition. Um, so I took the test and, um, it was positive and I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, how, how did, in real talk, how did you feel? Like, I generally didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I didn't know if I was going to continue with the pregnancy. Yeah. In that moment. And that sounds really awful because I thought I've had people looking after Quinn mm-hmm. for two weeks I'm supposed to be making a plan for how I'm supposed to pull myself together. Then I've got this little girl who solely relies on me now mm-hmm. in Quinn. She's 19 months. She she doesn't know what's going on. Um, And I had to try and think, how could I negotiate? Even though it was what I always wanted, I always wanted to. And that's what I had to internally battle with um so as again i went to my friend um and she was like i'll I'll support you in anything that you do my brother was exactly the same um my dad surprisingly was you need to do this you he says you can't make any decisions now that you're ever going to regret Mm. and he said you've always wanted Two. Everyone's always known I've wanted two. It's really strange. Um, I even cried to my brother on the night of Richie's funeral and says, I can't ever just imagine myself having one one child. And we talk about that now and it's really weird. Like you were pregnant at yeah, the time. Yeah, I was pregnant at the time and I had no idea. Um, so first off, we needed to find out how far along I was because, yeah. of, because of the injection. Um, it it sounds awful on reflection now that I even thought like that, but I don't think it does at all, because you you'd just experience something that everybody dreads. I think I was just trying to be practical mm-hmm. because I was thinking if I can't sort myself out, mm-hmm. there's two, there's two children who, whereas there's Quinn. I know that sounds all like it, there's there's double the responsibility onto somebody else if I don't manage to drag myself through this because at the beginning I had some very, very dark, horrible thoughts that I just didn't want to be here anymore. And the pain was just too much. It wasn't a case that I wanted to leave Quinn, it was just too much. Losing Richie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Honestly, it's, it's so hard to even begin to imagine what that feels like but on a practical level financially like what did you do i had my family and i had my friends like i i I knew i had their support i mean my my dad would give us everything and has given me everything and so has my Mm mum that i've needed i didn't financially i probably didn't need to think Mm. that was a huge factor because i knew i could i was lucky enough to lean on them. To fall back on them. Mm-hmm. My mum and dad's concern was 
me ever regretting this. I had the opportunity to give Quinn part of our dad. Hmm. And I had to, I had to do it really yeah. because I always wanted to and like it sounds a little bit cliche at the beginning it used to annoy us because people used to go, It's a blessing. It's a blessing. He sent you this. And I used to say, Oh I Richie's really sent us this. This big To fuck this <laughs> up. Cheers, Richie <laughs> And I used to think, Oh yeah, it's definitely a blessing. And I resented that at the beginning because I used to think, Why why you why would you say that? Like Was it always older people? No, it was it was younger people I as think well. I think the, uncomfortable and not knowing what not, to say. No, so no one say. ever no one ever knows what to say. Um and I used to think a blessing. But then Quinn's always been my focus and then great on top of that just emphasised it even more. Well when you do think about it, it's a shit thing. But because you must have been so low and because you've just said, you know, you didn't want to be here at times, if you weren't pregnant, you may have followed through with that, possibly. Do we think? I think everyone says that when I had Quinn, I just changed as a person, like completely changed and it was, everything was about Quinn. I remember I didn't go out for... 10 months on a night out because I just wanted to be with Quinn all the time doing mum things which people used to laugh at and think God Carol's gone to a group <laughs> I remember Richie congratulated us when I got to the end of my first group <laughs> he went I didn't think he'd last two weeks <laughs> again I had to drag my friend along to the group to begin with yeah. um, everything was focused around her so Possibly. I don't think I I could have ever left Quinn. But it could have got a lot worse. If it possibly could have gotten a lot worse than what it did. Yeah. So did you have the sickness then with Grey or not? No. So um, didn't have the sickness. Didn't get the gestational diabetes. Mm. Um, booked a private scan because when I went to see my doctor... This is a good story, actually. You'll laugh at this. Went to see my doctor and I said, um, I think I'm pregnant. I've taken a test and it's positive. And did they know the backstory? They knew the backstory. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can't be pregnant. You're on the contraceptive injection. I said, well, that's what the test says. And he said he would have to send a full lot of blood, um, bloods off. Mm-hmm. Because HCG... Higher levels can indicate other things. So obviously I went out, Google it, and the first thing comes up is cancer. Oh. I'm like, oh, just just throw that. It's in. a blessing. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. The cancer's got me. <laughs> and I was like, right. So he brought me back in in three days, and he says, you're pregnant. I went, right, I went. But I don't know how far along I am. On reflection, I shouldn't have gone to see that doctor. You know, when you get like certain doctors in the practice and that. But I was just like, oh, I'll take it out appointment with him. Um, and I said, can we go, f- can you move me forward for a scan? He went, no, I've just got to refer you over to the midwife. There's no medical need for you to have a scan. 
went, all right. And I walked over and I said, man, what constitutes a medical need? Just the, we, did, we just generally didn't know how far along you'd think that would constitute something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I booked a private scan, as you do. Mm-hmm. And um, I went along expecting, again, like, I, like with Quinn, I, I was probably six weeks when I found out tops. And I went along, had this scan, and there's this 13-week little baby looking back at me, and I was just mad. So I've never been on the injection. Does it stop your periods altogether? Mm -hmm. Oh, that would freak me out. (laughs) So you just have to take as read that you're not pregnant, Mm -hmm. but it clearly doesn't work. But it's meant to be really effective. Thanks. Like... But you know, the first time round with Quinn, I was on the pill and no one believed us that I wasn't taking it religiously. And I was because I'm epileptic as well. So I was taking it with me epilepsy medication. And I knew then that she slipped through somehow. So we've got two. So your body just doesn't just like Doesn't like contraception. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> so what happened with delivery with Grey then? Honestly, mm-hmm. I would have had another baby after Grey. Grey was, was the most straightforward birth I have ever seen, ever. So basically, I laboured in less than two hours. You know who that was? Who? It was Richie, was a blessing. Get <laughs> <laughs> him. I actually did say to him, please make this quick, because I've got to go in this delivery room with my mum. <laughs> Because at the time we were going into into COVID, it was the weekend of COVID she was born. The 21st of March, 2020. (gasps) My friend had a meltdown that she couldn't come. She was devastated, Uh but understood. Uh She wouldn't have made it anyways because the labour just went that fast. I woke up at one o'clock in the morning. I was due to be, had my induction that day. I've been having a lot of pain for a while, but I just thought, second child you feel it that little bit more the sea you feel it that little bit more as in your back and it's like trauma pains you know what's coming and I was just like does it really matter if I'm in a little bit more pain than what I was internally feeling as well Mm -hmm. as long as she was all right yeah as long as she was healthy obviously I didn't know I'm saying she I didn't find out I was just about to say did it I didn't find out as long as as long as that's everything's okay, it doesn't matter. Um, and I messaged my cousin, and she's got six children. Oh Jesus! She's actually got onto her seventh now. Oh Jesus! Wept. Oh. She actually went to her appointment this morning and messaged me, and somebody came over to her and said, "Oh, what's her name?" And she went, and she went, "I'm presuming you're the Nana." <laughs> She's only 42. <laughs> she went, that is Nana she went, Carol, I need me roots done. It is Nana Richard. <laughs> what did, did she just... I don't know if I would just lean in and go, Oh yes, I'm the Nana. Or did she like go, No, no the bitch. She, she, wouldn't have, she would have been really straight up as well. Get, no, I'm the mum. Oh my god, that woman must have felt so, so uncomfortable. I contacted the, I suppose like the matriarch of children making in our family, and I was like, I think my waters have gone. But with Quinn again, I didn't 
have like a full water break if that mm-hmm. what, 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 what you would deem a full water break it was just a trickle um, and the waters came later on um, again always making comparisons to your first pregnancy which I would always tell people don't yeah. never it's not ever ever the same um, so I, I said to her I think the water's broke but again I was like right I'm going to get in the zone I'm not going to have an epidural like I did first time round because that's another story I went into retention first time round with my first pregnancy, which subsequently damaged my bladder completely. So what's retention? So retention's where you can't go to the toilet properly. Right. Post birth, but it wasn't picked up. After the epidural. Yeah, basically. so you know when people have catheters put in. Uh-huh. They should have put a catheter in me, but they didn't. So it wasn't picked up until checks later. By that point I'd voided three litres in my bladder. And had to be put on a catheter for eight weeks. Oh my god. Because my bladder had just gone into shock. Um, but when you read, it says like epidurals can kind of maybe make you go into retention and things like that. So I was convincing myself second time round I wanted... I don't get us wrong. I want all the drugs, just not the epidural. Yeah. Um, and I thought, right, I've got loads of time. So I thought, I'll go in the bath. Everything was packed. My mum rang my dad because we said, well, if she goes into the labour in the middle of the night, you come over and get Quinn and then we can just leave. So my dad came over. And by this point, I was in full flow contractions and I just needed to get down the stairs. They were flying all over the place. I'd never experienced that. Well, it was that fast. I'd never experienced that level as I did with Quinn because of the epidural. So I was just like, I need to get to the hospital. I got in the car. I don't even know how I managed to get in the car. Um, and I said to me, mum, so we're going to have to stop here at the hospital. I said, I can feel something. And she went, what? I went, I can feel something. But my mum's just very laid back. So she was like... What, so in the car park? I could feel something, yeah, in the car park. And I was like, we're going to have to get out here. So we got out, so you... As you get into the hospital, you've got like them 20 minutes, like, base. In Sunderland. In Sunderland, yeah. yeah. So you've got like, obviously, the Chester wing. We just pulled in there. Mm-hmm. She got us out. And then we pushed the buzzer. My mum pushed the buzzer. But there was a man working in theatre. He believed that I was coming to the end. This midwife came down. Oh, trying to do like a quick examination. Outside? Outside. Okay. Yes. Like, as if to say, because I was saying there's something there. Uh-huh. And she went, no, and she went, bring the wheelchair. I went, I can't sit in that. I said, I can't sit in it. In the end, I ended up, like, on my side in this wheelchair to take me up, because obviously it was just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I got in the room, and um, I knew they were going to examine the stock. I remember just, I was sweating. Mm. I just got my trousers off. I knew she was going to examine me straight away. She'd said that on the way through. So I literally walked into this room and just pulled my trousers. I think you do that anyway. <laughs> you know when you're just about going to labour because you start profusely sweating yeah. and you just, all your inhibitions go, tits out, fans out. You just go, what? Whereas I first time around, I would have probably sat there a little bit longer. Took my trousers off, sat on the bed and the head was there. <gasps> And I went, can you give us that gas and air? Please give us the gas and air. They give me the gas and air. And um, one push and she was born. I left the house a quarter to t- quarter to three and she was born at three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. <laughs> to be honest though, 
I think everybody would want that. They did. It's weird because had the perfect birth, but straight away after I'd had her, I was hallucinating. So I thought I'd seen Mitchie. Okay. Um, to me, I, I, I think my mind took me somewhere that I thought I was going to be safe. I think I, my, I had an out-of-body experience. How? What happened? So the nurses think that it was because of the gas and air. Okay. Which hadn't been sucking on that long. <laughs> <laughs> which just makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> they kept me in for a couple of days because obviously there's risk of um, psychosis. Yeah. I had lots of trigger points during the pregnancy that could have mm-hmm. led to that. So, right... I know, my story's gone off. So, grey out. Baby on chest? Can't remember I've been on my chest. Okay, so what happened? I can just remember, them. I was on the bed, I just remember them saying, the head's there, and pushing, one push, and then I was almost zoned out looking at Richie. So, it was there? In your head? In my head. Um, can you remember anything about that experience other than he was there? He just looked concerned. He was sitting in the corner and he just looked concerned. He was wearing exactly the same thing that he had when Quinn was born, which I can remember because I bought the black tracksuit for him. Mm-hmm. And I just zoned out on him for a little bit. And my mum said I'd shouted out a couple of times, he's there, he's there. And she didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, he's there. And she was looking concerned. And then, ironically, Grey's placenta was actually grey. <laughs> so they took that off to get checked. Obviously, I didn't know all of this was uh-huh. going on. And then, all of a sudden, he was gone. And I remember lying on the bed and I said, what? what is it? And then the midwife looked at her. She went, you don't know what you've had? I went, no, what is it? And she went... You've had a little girl. I said, I'm going to call her Grey. And it was Richie's middle name. Hmm. So what happened after that? My mum had to leave pretty much immediately, which was like, yeah. Were they aware that you'd had this vision? Yep. And they kept me in hospital for, how long was it? It was two nights, but it was almost like three days after. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you have any more? No, nothing. I told everyone. I said he was there. I sounded crazy. I remember when I look back now, I'd sounded mad. I was like, he was there. He was. There. It didn't help that I was by myself at the time, though, mm-hmm. because I was like, he was there, and I couldn't, and my mum had gone. Yeah, you would think, because that is like a mental health crisis, what happened in front of them. And they just kicked your only lifeline out. Yes, all these things for COVID, but... You'd think they would once, go... Mm. Once I got put on the postnatal ward, it changed. I got the midwife who dealt with us with the retention problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there was obviously midwives who'd seen us during my scans and things. It's almost like the, when it came onto the day shift, mm-hmm. they'd seen my background. Obviously, this I've just turned up and had this baby to this midwife. This miserable midwife. This mid- <laughs> who's under massive pressure. At the time, I was annoyed, but when I look back, massive pressure, entering COVID. Mm-hmm. She's got this girl turned up. She had. I remember she had a student with her as well. Mm-hmm. 
then she'd made that mishap and didn't ex- well try to see if there was anything there in the, in car, the car park. park. <laughs> Cop the <laughs> Just being molested outside the car park. And then I think there was just a lack. I don't, I don't think they really knew what to do with me. I thought I think they thought as long as I was contained and I was safe and the baby was all right. Mm-hmm. But they got me round the postnatal quite quick. Yeah, I can remember. I got wrong for going in the shower because I was like, I need to have a shower. You got, got wrong. Normally got, they shove you in the shower. I know. That's what I thought was really strange. She's, I, I, I really don't know why she told me off because nobody, when I'd had her, it was like I was up. Mm-hmm. Soon as I was kind of aware of my surroundings, I wanted to get showered and get sorted. It was almost like I was like, done that, we're moving on to the next thing now. Yeah. Just autopilot, like I had been all along. I remember somebody who tried to help us, it was the student midwife. She was like, I'll pull your case. I went, no, <laughs> I'm doing everything myself. Back off, bitch. It's like with my scans. I was like, I took my friend to the first one. I went, I'm going to the rest on my own. Because that's what I'm going to do. Do you think that was a coping Yeah, it was like, I'm going to do everything by myself. Now that I have to do everything by myself, yeah. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to do myself. it. Even when, I, even when we left the hospital, I remember I'd, I didn't put any nice clothes on. I still had my jammies on and I had this... Carrying, carry not the nice photo shoots when you walk out with your baby. I was like, I'm taking that with a catheter attached to my leg as well because I had to put that on as a precaution. <laughs> that was a coping mechanism, yeah. not healthy, but typically me. Yeah, because when you think leaving the hospital, everybody thinks of the dad pick with the car seat. And you just gone. What I did do though, which was quite funny and a little bit naughty, so I do apologise. I sneaked my friend, again, who you know, into the hospital on the presumption because I was acting strange. They said I could have somebody for an hour. I didn't bring the person, but they expected us to bring my mum back. Mm-hmm. I brought her in instead. Yeah. <laughs> this nurse came in and she was like, it should have been your mum, really. I was like, I didn't realise. And I was like, you need to get us out of here. I need to get out of here. Break me out. <laughs> so on reflection, I didn't have them pictures, but she did the pictures in yeah. the hospital. And if we didn't have her there, there probably wouldn't have been any pictures of Grey in the hospital, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's the small stuff, isn't it? But I bet it really means something that you've got them. Oh, yeah, massively. Yeah. So after after the few days, you go back home, ready to be a whirlwind, like do it all yourself. And we're in a national lockdown. So how was that? I actually weirdly enjoyed it because I didn't have to put up with anybody coming over. So did you move back in with mum? So my mum didn't want me to move out. She said I wasn't making any life-changing decisions, <laughs> even though I decided to go ahead with a second pregnancy. She didn't want me to move out of the house, which I can understand. I, I, I didn't want to be there. I couldn't stay in the place where they told me. Like I, uh, did was that your? Did you rent that or did you just re rented that? So that was an easy fix. Easy to leave. fix, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I, even if we'd bought it, we'd planned to buy it. I would have gotten rid of it anyways. I couldn't. I go past that estate now, and it's still. Well, mm-hmm. No, I could have never stayed there. I, I couldn't have been. Whereas I had Quinn, 
and we, me and Richie lived with my mum and my mum still lived in the same house. So I was thought, I'm going to create. And it was also my home off being my childhood. And I thought, Richie would have wanted us to go back there. Mm-hmm. We had all our memories there. Um, so we moved July 2020 back to my mum. So my mum pretty much, I'm saying my friend obviously took over, but my mum retired. She um, picked up every single piece of my life and she's enabling us to do everything that I want now as well because she does school runs, she does... She is the other... She is the other parent. parent. She's the co-parent, yeah. Um, Yeah, so we moved back July 2020, but ironically, I kind of enjoyed that first part because I don't think I could have dealt with any more. It's a blessing. Mm. Especially when I was going through the motions then because I was kind of reflecting back. I didn't realise at the time because I, uh, I was I was very much, when I'm saying I, I wanted to do everything myself, I didn't get any therapy because I thought, right, how many people are 27, lose the partner, find out they're pregnant, we need a process here, so I need to, I need to go through all of this and then maybe later I'll get some therapy. And... Um, I didn't do that for a long time. So it was, I began the process. Must have been around just after the summer when I went back to my mum's. So they began with the grief counselling. But then obviously it became apparent with the grief counselling there was more underlying things. I was very anxious, panicky. Um, I was having panic attacks. And went through the whole process of counsellor, therapist, EMDR, psychologist... And um, I got a diagnosis of PTSD Mm. and um, subsequently went through EMDR, which was amazing. So can you explain that? It's a form of therapy, isn't it? Yeah, so it's called eye movement. Sorry if I get this wrong. Desensitisation. Is it rapid eye movement? Rapid, yeah, something like that. Desensitisation, EMDR, eye movement, desensitisation. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to be honest, I was very sceptical um, about how much it was going to help, but I probably underestimated the trauma because of just, I can do this, I'm going to get through this, I'm, I've got to follow the, the, this process, and I needed all this extra help. And um, for anyone who experiences any kind of trauma or has that, Diagnosis was close. I think EMDR is probably the closest you're going to get to making a massive leap forward in your recovery. Yeah. That's what it did for me anyways. So what did they have you do? So... Because I've heard about it. My main flashback... I hate delving into this because not many people know about any of this. Well, you don't have to share. No, because that's why I'm here. I used to flashback to being in the morgue and identifying his body. And even though I had my friend with me, I was always alone and I was always in this room. And because he, we weren't allowed to touch him because he'd become a, a, a crime scene, we had to view him through the glass. I was always like, I couldn't get to him. Um, that played heavily on my mind. So I can kind of 
when I'm thinking about how my brain's working and it's so much regret that I never got to have that time with them initially. Um, and even uh, my my mind kept taking me back to to then. Flash, like, you always, like, associate PTSD with other things. Like, my, my brother's a, um, a mental health nurse. He's a um, veteran. So you always kind of think PTSD, you think veterans and things like that. But it's not until you, you delve further deeper and you, people have got birth stories um myself like it's linked i lost my partner but then having that mishap i honestly think in the hospital my mind took me somewhere that i knew i would be safe familiar Mm -hmm. it was like i wanted him there that much my mind took me there and then brought me back it is literally mental how your brain can try and protect itself Mm -hmm. Through all of the trials and tribulations that people go through, really you're only ever with your own self. Mm-hmm. So your mind can play tricks on you to protect you as much as... I think because I had that emphasis of doing everything myself, it was almost like at that point something else took over. Um, EMDR, it's quite hard to... Ex- There's different techniques. Mm-hmm. So um, because it was COVID, mine was actually tapping. Mm-hmm. Um and you were like different things yeah, you can, tapping on you. you there's taps you, there's loads of different ways you mm-hmm. can look left and right but because of we were doing it virtually we couldn't do it face to face um we did tapping um and you go through how much of a level of distress see i would have been able to talk about this before and i get anxious just talking about how i used to flashback now and um, they go through a process of taking you to a safe space. They go, um, the, I remember the, 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 the one of the things that they had to do was taking us to a safe space. So at first I'd gone to the lakes in my head when doing the tapping. And the, the distress wasn't coming down as much as she thought. And she went, do you associate the lakes with Richie? She went, pick somewhere else. And I went to my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. This is all this tapping. And... The EMDR with the tapping was taking us to a safe place that was familiar to me, but didn't include Richie. So when I was getting this panic, if I did the taps, I'd go back to my grounds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really complex to explain. Yeah. Um. Then they would take you, they would tell you to visualise yourself back where you were having your flashback, which was the morgue. And this was a really strange one. And she went, what would... What would make what would what would improve? I went, but I, that's what I kept saying. I said, I wasn't by myself when I when I identified his body. I said, I was with my best friend, and she went, Your mind's taking you there alone. And she tapped it through, and adult Quinn and Gray came at the situation. It's, it's mind blown. Adult Quinn and Gray came at the situation and said, Come on, ma'am, you've got to leave this room now. Mm. That's my mind trying to recover. Mm-hmm. And you do this through the EMDR, so you have your safe place. So when I look back on all of my therapy, even though I know what was real and my friend was there, I always think if I have a flashback, Quinn and Grey take us out of the situation. But they were adults, they were my age. Do you think, do you think it's getting easier as time is going on, or is it just... 
different. Different. I mean, there's always something happening. Like, he went to prison and it seemed to calm down as in I could get a little bit more focus, but then you get the phone calls or they're going to be going to whatever prison and, and lower category and... I knew he was eventually going to have to get out one day. You just feel like it's... Just as you're starting to comprehend, it's like, oh, this person's going to be back out living his life soon, even though he was living his life for two years without a care in the world, as far as I'm concerned, and from what I read, mm-hmm. from what I understand from people who were at the scene as well, who were visibly distressed mm-hmm. by not just Richie passing but by the actions of what they were like in front of them the lack of remorse the lack of remorse um and things like birthdays Greer really gets me because i never ever understand i always think quinn's got videos and pictures and Greer's the unknown how quinn's gonna have everything as in pictures and videos but it has nothing so that's why I've put all of my energy into the campaign um, again the individual responsible for Richie's death was known to be over the drink and drug limits and was permitted to drive for two years until the court case even though he killed somebody what? yeah so tell me about the campaign so the campaign I'm working on is with my MP Bridget Philipson and um I remember one of the first questions that I asked the police was um, in the midst, well, obviously not the, the day he died, but in the aftermath of it all, to bring like a, a break pack out. So I knew I wanted to do something for break, the charity and things like that. But I said, is he going to be allowed to continue driving? They said, there's nothing we can do. So he was just, until the trial, he was out. He was out. No bail conditions imposed. No driving restrictions, despite dash cam footage being available immediately there's dash cam footage of the car that was hit there was so he hit another car yeah and were all of them okay thankfully yes and it's another thing as well that young boy actually got in touch with me he was only i think he was 18 at the time of the crash and all of these things i think about that individual it's, it's not just me who's been affected by this like I talk about my friend, I talk about my, my whole family's life dynamics has been changed. There's, it's so wider than you can possibly imagine off that one instance. It's so far reaching. Mm-hmm. The ripple effect mm-hmm. is going to continue forever. So, campaign. Yeah. You're... I can't understand why anyone who's been caught drink driving would be allowed to continue driving if they've been caught. When it was a positive test. Positive test. Dash cam footage re- um, available immediately and somebody had died. Now, obviously there's the argument innocent until proven guilty. However, all this information was available immediately. Get somebody with a medical condition i.e. I've had ep- I've got epilepsy. I wasn't allowed to drive. I, I still haven't learned how to drive yet because I, it wasn't too long ago that I got signed off from driving. 
people get their license taken away from them for medical conditions, yet we allow, well, the government allows, or the court system, well, I don't know who it is to blame, really. We've gone the round avenues, the, law, the lawmakers, have allowed this individual, despite all this information being known, to carry on driving. Now, to me, a person like that poses a risk. Does It doesn't mean just because he's killed somebody doesn't mean that he wouldn't get in the car again. When it got to court, he had 17 previous convictions three related drink driving offences, the last one being he refused to give a sample. So, as far as I'm concerned, eventually he was either going to kill himself or somebody else, and that person happened to be Richie. And there's lots of people who just think it's acceptable to get behind the wheel of a car under the influence. And what I'm saying is, initially what I want to start with is, in any serious or fatal accident on the road... You take that license off that person immediately. The DVLA will be responsible for that. Let the police provide... I'm not saying let the police make the decision. Let the police provide that information to the DVLA as any professional would with somebody with a medical condition and let the DVLA make the decision on that. And if the DVLA were provided with that information, do you think somebody would be allowed to keep their license? No. And... Further down the line, this again, this is this is ideology. Now we're trying to get the first thing through. I'm waiting for to, for meetings in London with certain ministers. My, my MP's been fantastic um, and has backed me all the way. We need to start targeting individuals who repeatedly flout the law. People make mistakes, okay? I know people who've been caught drink driving. I do think there's a very lax attitude about it. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people who repeatedly do it. Or you could have a circumstance where there's an alcoholic or a persistent drug user who were driving around. Just an accident waiting to happen. I hate the word accident, though. Why? That light was avoidable. It wasn't an accident. It was an incident. Mm. It's never an accident. It's always going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was you it's my, it's and my life, yeah. So, is you've talked about how much your parents are influential in your life right now. Do the girls have connections with Richie's mum and dad? We don't. We don't have a relationship anymore. That's Since a, he's passing? No, we didn't. We, we didn't. It, it, it's, it's a difficult subject. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and essentially, we didn't have great relations before he passed. Um from from my perspective we weren't on the best of terms with Richie when he passed either um, Richie wasn't perfect okay and I, I always tell people this Richie had um, a, a lot of issues with gambling mm. um, and he was a fantastic dad he was like I talk about this person and I, I, he, he had this likability I used to say, it's impossible to hate you and I hate how much people love you <laughs> because you can be a twat sometimes. Everyone who met him loved him and he was lovely, but he he always tried to see the best in people and that was one of his faults because obviously this person who he's come into contact with has ultimately led to his death. And it's difficult because I... I reflect upon that and I think I used to warn him I used to say what 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 
why do you knock about with so-and-so or he's bad news him do you know what I mean obviously I didn't know the person mm-hmm. who he ended up with that night um, but getting back to Richie's family me and Richie obviously had a lot of a turmoil as well because of his gambling and our relationship could be up and down um, could never doubt the love that we had for one another um, we, he always used to say no, neither one will put up with us like no one not no one at all <laughs> like at all would put up with either one of us um, it's like when people ask a question of do you think you would move on no I'm happy with the four if I didn't meet anybody else for the rest of my life I'd be happy because I had four and a half years of Richie Jordan and that's fine by me he was my soulmate and that was that um, but now I'm going off topic again Richie's family it's difficult because I look now and I think people get angry um, people get upset I felt like my relationship got picked apart after he died and Richie was put on this big massive pedestal and it was almost like a competition of grief they had lost their son I'd just lost my partner I didn't feel like Quinn and then Grey grief was recognised it was very much us and them and my family was very much caught in the middle of that too mm-hmm. we did try again after he'd passed and it didn't work out um, and the girls don't have a relationship with them um, and it's sad. it's sad it's a sad situation Yeah. because I look now and I think I'm in such a better position now mentally I'm not past it by any means but I see how much enjoyment my mum and my dad and my brother and anyone who comes into contact with them little girls have and yes they've lost their son or their brother but they could have had them little girls and them little girls is what Richie would have wanted to be put first mm-hmm. and I feel that's what I've done I've put them first I would have liked them to have a paternal relationship on that side but it hasn't worked out and I'm not willing to risk dealing with the unknown. I feel more so towards Greer on that, mm-hmm. but also Quinn. Um, Quinn went to a fantastic preschool and see him. And um, they helped her with her grief. I mean, uh, the, the understanding that she had, I mean, she's five now, but the understanding that she had from being three was on another level. Um, she used to think of different scenarios so she went did my dad get put in a pie off Mr McGregor when she was watching Peter Rabbit (laughs) (laughs) like well how can you reply to that then she came up with that he lived on the moon and the help and support that I got there was kind of we 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 go with what Quinn Quinn thinking and going with and so you should never say no darling no he's not no, because you lean what, into it. why not? Why wouldn't? Why not just let your dad think he was a, a fictional character? Because that's what she she's getting all of her knowledge from. Mm-hmm. Peter Rabbit's dad's died. That's all right. My dad's died. That's that's my understanding that she's thinking. Um, and then the moon. The moon took me away because I just think it's just a fantastic idea, really, isn't mm. it? My dad lives on the moon. She tells everyone he was a footballer because obviously he's he's 
football tops in the football museum, which he would have absolutely buzzed off, by the way. I can just picture him now. <laughs> being what, like, I'm, I hide in the, he's in the fans museum. I know, who gets a football shirt in the fans museum? <laughs> I mean, he was a non-league footballer, but he wasn't professional. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kill us for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> could have made it pro, Carol. Could oh, have made it pro. Yeah. If you could give Miss Carol one wish for the future, what would that be? For my children never to be affected by this death. At all. And I, I can't do that. You can't. That's a... But I don't think that's for Carol. That's for the girls. I, I know. I think as a parent you want to protect your children mm-hmm. from everything. And Grey's entered this world and I'm responsible for bringing her into this world without a dad. Mm-hmm. If she has any sort of problems relating to that in 20 years will I feel bad like I'd let her down in some way I feel like I, I've got to navigate this right and I've got one child who is so amazing as in Quinn everyone comments on how expressive she is about her dad she's got no problems at all and it is good and it is great but it's really hard People forget that. I do let her express. But when I have conversations, particularly when she was at nursery and she reduces staff to tears because of how lovely she is and how kind she is and how she talks about this dad, it is hard. And then I've got Grey, who's yet to understand, but a little, but a big sister already has a point into the moon and saying that's where her dad lives. Oh. It's hard, isn't it? Massively. It's just awful that you haven't to uh, go through it and there's no rhyme, no reason for it. Other than... Three or four seconds changed my life. But you are going to be... The game change of on this campaign, like that law. I've got to see a reason that, yeah. that, that I think I've got it drilled into me now. If I can say to the girls when they get older, yes, we lost your dad. It's like I talk to Quinn now and she goes, nobody else's mummy and daddy had died. I says, but when you get older, you'll realise, and unfortunately, parents do pass away. Maybe not necessarily at your age, but it's just like we talk about. It's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nobody... she get. I think she get a lot. You know, when she gets older, people. Yeah. Have, one of my really good friends is a teacher, and she said, "Have the, the school brought anything like that in the grief counselling?" And she doesn't need it yet, but I think she would get a lot to speak into other kids in her situation when she gets older. Mm-hmm. Just looking at her now. Um, it... Have you ever been in like a support group? I, I tried that widowed and young. Just, I'm not that type of person. I did the baby group and I got congratulated <laughs> after a year, but I tried the. I've tried. I, I, I don't know. I just. I couldn't. I, I'm. I'm still on the group. Ironically, they haven't kicked us off my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote. I write things on now and again. I just. I don't want to be put. I'm right. I, I've said this a few times. For the last few years, I've been Quinn's mum, Grey's mum. Richie Jordan's partner or Richie Jordan's girlfriend or the widow 
The one who's lost her partner. I that one. I want to be Carol King again because that's who I was before I met Richie and before I had kids. I don't want to be the person who lost her partner. I want to be me. I'm not going to get me back because me entailed Richie, but I want to form as close as I can get back to that really strong person who didn't give a shit about what anybody said, who wasn't anxious, who would face anything or anyone. And I still do that now. I just don't like the vulnerability and the insecurities that's come as a result of his death upon me. I have no doubt that she will return. She does sometimes. On nights out. (laughs) Oh yes, I've been blessed with the Miss Carol King on a night out. No, but I have no doubt it's just a it's a process isn't it that you shouldn't be navigating but you are yeah and you're doing the best job that you can do for them two incredible little girls i met them at the wedding and they were just dancing and dancing and dancing and i was like <laughs> they got batteries in them <laughs> that's the dad yeah <laughs> ridiculous energy mm-hmm. but the, the great bad like i said I, i've got the campaign i'm moving forward i'm studying i'm working I miss Richie. I've been the grave before I came here because I thought, I'm going to get too nervous and cry on this podcast. I don't go to his grave very often. I do on special occasions. I used to go all the time. But then I used to find I used to get very angry. So I only go if the girls ask. And Father's Day and birthdays and Christmases. But I popped along there and I said, just let us hold it together a little bit. Well, you've done him proud. <laughs> We haven't let a tear drop. We've filled up, but they've not dropped. So, it feels really like you crappy. Should like, you should have done like a three-hour special on I me. Know. <laughs> but I'm thinking like it feels really crappy to be like, and now let's do the parenting <laughs> tip chart. Like, don't lose a partner at 27. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just stay in the house. <laughs> It's like, it's such a real, raw concern that everybody has. I remember being a parent, like, when I had Freddie, I was like, what, who's, do I have to look after this child for the rest of my life? Like, not just until they're 18, but to then, I was thinking, I'm, I, my concern was either I'm going to die, or Dale's going to die, or they're going to die. It was all about death. That's so, what you do, and I think it emphasised even more when you were a single parent, because I mm-hmm. had to think, who were my children going to go to if I died? But I think becoming a parent, that's when you talk, think about your more, your, your mortality, yeah. mortality. And then to actually be living the actual nightmare that most parents have must be or consume or like at parts I don't know how you have got to this place and that is inspiring to be able to sit here share your story so openly so honestly a bit dark humor which I love like get very dark sometimes (laughs) I've got another friend who's particularly funny and is getting me through the last three and a half years on dark humor alone you just got it though don't you Mm -hmm. you gotta find the light You, the girls are, are a light, aren't mm-hmm. they? And I feel like you stepping out and going, right, I'm going to go back to uni, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Absolutely incredible. 
Like, you're an absolute inspiration. So I, I don't feel like we need to do the parent tip jar because that bit's a load of shit in this very moment. Well, it's really a little want... tradition. Or did you really want I to really do it? I really wanted to do it. Right, let's do it. <laughs> this is Carol, I, everybody. I, I don't even know. Shall, shall I not just say what I want? Well, no. Oh. That's not the parent tip jar. That's just, if you'd like to just say what you want, you can do that yourself, Carol. I will allow it. So, Don't trust your midwife when she examines you in the car park. <laughs> Did it let anybody accost you in the car park? Right, stick your hand in there. And have a little read out and give me your honest opinion on somebody's oh God. tip. Do Don't, you agree or do you disagree? Don't compare. People rarely tell the bad bits. <laughs> Ironic today. <laughs> we always pull one out that you've talked about. No, well, everyone compares. Like, I'm, I've talked throughout this even just about pregnancies. Mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago, social media, it isn't everything on the outlook, but Smoke that's why I'm sitting here today with people like you mm. who are going to talk about the real stuff. So I do agree. And rarely tell the bad bitch. We need to tell the bad bits. Mm-hmm. Let's normalise it. Because shit does happen. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it doesn't happen to this degree very often. But Jesus Christ, having people like you to fight campaigns and change, be the rule makers, game changers. Somebody has to do it. And I've got to make sense of why have I been dealt these cards? I've got to do something with it. There's got to be a reason why Richie's died and he's not in my life anymore. And he's not a dad to his girls as he should be. There's got to be a bigger reason. And that's why I'm doing it. Well, thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. And anybody out there going through this, you know, I salute you. We're here for you. And the widow groups aren't as bad. It's just took a lot of me to even go to a baby group. <laughs> Carol's just not that type of chick. <laughs> I'm just not that sociable unless I've had a drink. <laughs> Maybe I should open one on a night time. No. Because <laughs> then that's a whole different kettle of fish. Widowed. Plus alcoholism. (laughs) So, thank you, my darling. Thank you. And that's it. All done. If you'd like to share your own crazy stories on parenting, please follow me on Instagram and send me your journal entries at Mama Social Co. And I promise to keep them anonymous if you want me to. Also, remember to hit follow, subscribe, share. And if you want to leave me a little review... I'd really appreciate your feedback. So that's it. Have a great day and see you soon.